Ladies and gentlemen, it is a true pleasure to introduce our distinguished guest today, Dr. Danny Brassel. Known as the Jim Carrey with a PhD, Dr. Brassel is not only an acclaimed speaker, trainer, and coach, but he's also a prolific author with 16 books to his name, including his latest masterpiece, Leadership Begins with Motivation. Dr. Brassel's impact reaches far and wide, having addressed over 3,500 audiences across the globe. His mission is twofold, to empower parents in transforming struggling readers into passionate ones, and to help guide business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives in enhancing their income, their freedom, and their impact through the art of creating engaging presentations. With a wealth of knowledge and contagious enthusiasm for learning, Dr. Danny Brassel is here to instill his insights, wisdom, and strategies for unlocking true potential of leaders and presenters alike. Get ready for an inspiring conversation that will promise to leave you motivated and ready to take on new challenges. Welcome, Dr. Danny Brassel. You are listening to the Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur. Hi, Danny. Thank you so much for joining us on the Disruptive Minds Podcast. I'm real excited to talk to you. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about reading, which I think is a really important and impactful topic for, you know, not just business owners, but people that are looking for personal development uh, and, you know, people who just want to continue a life of learning. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Thanks for spreading joy in the world. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Could you give us a little bit of an overview into who you are and what you do and kind of what's your background? Certainly, Bill. My mission is to bring joy back in education in the workplace. And so I do that in four different ways. First of all, I speak around the world over 100 days a year generally to uh, schools, corporations, and associations on how to uh, improve their mindset. Secondly, I have the world's top reading engagement program online, which in just over two months shows parents how to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. Third, I train executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners on how to create powerful presentations that get their audience to take the next step. And finally, I... Uh, work with a company called Cyber Smarties, which is based out of Ireland, which is a social media platform for kids ages 5 to 12 that shows kids how to use social media in a positive way so we can avoid a lot of cyberbullying and school shootings and that kind of nonsense. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, you, you got a whole lot going on. And I thought it was really cool that you've written 16 books yourself, right? So you're not even just a big reading guy. You're a big language guy. You're a big the reading, writing, you know, skills guy. And I think that's really important. So I was hoping you could let the listeners know in your own words, why you think reading is so important. You know, you've dedicated a lot of your life to it. So obviously, you know, you think it's pretty important. And I do too. Yeah, it's ironic that I'm considered America's leading reading ambassador because I grew <laughs> hating reading, Bill. My my father was a librarian and I always hated the public library growing up. It always smelled funny to me that furniture was uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always some uh, freaky homeless guy over by the bookshelves thought he was a vampire. I always hated the public library. It wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city in South Central Los Angeles where I saw a lot of my students didn't have the advantages that I had growing up. Uh, Bill, I was blessed. I had both parents in my home. We were lower middle class, but we always had food on the table. And my parents always 
uh, read to us kids, in front of us kids, and we had plenty of access to reading materials. And so it really became a passion for me. And, uh, you know, when I read, I'm an avid reader now, and I love reading biographies of successful people. And I know that there are plenty of readers that don't necessarily become effective leaders, but I have never, ever read about an effective leader who is not also an avid reader. And uh, whether it's, uh, you know, titans of industry, uh, people today like Elon Musk uh, runs $4 billion companies and he still reads at least one book a day. Uh, Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world, reads vigorously every single day from morning to late night uh, if you look in uh, in uh, the military uh, generals like general schwarzkopf uh, he was known to be able to, to be able to speak four languages and uh, quote from shakespeare uh, voraciously um, you look at even in sports uh, i could have kissed lebron james before he was in the nba finals as a member of the miami heat they showed him in his locker room reading The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. And I'm like, gosh, that image just did more for reading than anything I could ever do. Um, you know, uh, presidents, um, a lot of people don't know the story that uh, it was President Kennedy who one day uh, a reporter asked him what he was reading. And he said, oh, I'm reading this really cool spy novel about this uh, spy named James Bond. And based on that comment, MGM bought the rights to all of the Ian Fleming books. And that's why we have the James Bond movies. And so really, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Reading is the key to your success. That's really interesting. I didn't know about the JFK thing, but it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he was an icon and everybody was obsessed with that. And, you know, I, I saw the tweets after LeBron you know, was reading The Hunger Games. So it's it's a really impactful thing. So I was wondering if you could go into some of the benefits that you've seen in reading, especially when you're dealing with kids, right? Because when you're dealing with kids, you know, reading is one of those core aspects of education, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a building block. And I was curious, what do you see as like the inherent benefits that people might not think of, right? Something that might be a little tangential, something that there, there's a, definitely a correlation there, but might not be obvious at first. Well, I'll start with one that parents and teachers will appreciate. Reading is a great way to calm kids down. When <laughs> I taught uh, middle school, I was the only teacher in my school not to have any students tardy. And the reason was because I always started class by reading aloud a Paul Harvey story. You're younger than me, Bill. You might not remember him. There used to be a guy named Paul Harvey. Uh, he died a couple of years ago at the age of 325 years old. And I grew up listening to Paul Harvey every day on the radio. He'd come on at 1215. He's like, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest of the story and he tell you these cool stories for five minutes and the whole time you're trying to guess who's he talking about or what's the company he's talking about and my students just love those uh stories but a lot of the stories he wrote about were people like sears and roebuck well kids today don't know who sears and roebuck are and so the last book that i wrote leadership begins with motivation is basically an updated version of paul harvey uh stories but focused on people like jeff bezos and michael jordan and people like that and after i wrote that book uh i i read it and i was kind of stunned completely inadvertently so many of the stories i wrote about were of white male americans and so the book i'm writing right now the stories are predominantly minorities women and international examples because i i think kids need to hear stories from all over the place with lots of different points of view and so really the first the first benefit I always share with parents and teachers is it's a great way to calm kids down. Now, for the kids, 
Uh, reading is great for critical thinking. Um, I used to teach history, and the first thing I always teach people in my history classes is that history books are usually written by the winners. Every event in history has multiple points of view, and my job as a teacher is to teach you how to think, not what to think. I think it's actually really great when people disagree with me. I think we'd be better served in society today if people learned how to be able to disagree with one another in a respectful manner, and since it's not being modeled very well in the government, it's even more important that uh, us as teachers and parents are making sure that we we show our, our kids how to be respectful. You don't have to agree. I mean, I guarantee you, Bill, you and I don't agree with every on everything. My wife and I don't agree on everything. <laughs> I don't know when all of a sudden people thought that we have to agree on everything, but we can be respectful and listen to and consider each other's points of view. And, you know, quite often when I think I'm right, actually, I have a post-it on my desk and it's a great reminder every day. And I, I simply have on the post-it, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> because most people think they're right all the time, including me. And uh, I've I've listened to a lot of conversations where I realized, you know what? That's actually a really good point. I am in the wrong. So uh, I think the most important thing with reading is uh, to help build up your critical thinking. Like you talked about, Bill, reading is essential to all subject matter, uh, mastery. Um, and, you know, the thing that I really try to ingrain in, in kids is that reading is a lot of fun. You know, uh, I think schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, well, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own, there's some simple strategies I share with parents and, and teachers on how to get kids enamored with reading. I mean, I don't know about you, Bill, but when I was in high school, I had a teacher force us to read The Scarlet Letter. Now, no offense to those Nathaniel Hawthorne fans out there. Uh, basically, the book is about uh, Hester Prynne. She commits adultery and she has to wear an A on her chest. And I raised my hand in class and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so right. bored reading that book. <laughs> And this is why a lot of kids don't read is because they're forced to read stuff that they are not interested in. And if, here's just a quick little uh, secret for every parent out there and every teacher out there. The little boy who only reads Captain Underpants is going to become a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but you got to get hit kids hooked on it first. And so really, that's one of the, the wonders of reading that I love. The delights of reading is uh, I, it's great for uh, helping curious minds. And uh, it's also just soothing. It's a great way to relax. That's a very long answer to a short question, Bill. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think you should get shirts printed up with the statement on it. Captain Underpants is the gateway <laughs> to Shakespeare. And I think they do very well online. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I really like that you got there is two main things. You know, it calms kids down and it develops critical thinking skills. And I think these two things go so well together because even if you're an adult, right, you're going through the day, there's a lot of things going on. Your mind's in 47 different places. When you open that book, right, you're, you're, you're thinking about what's going on in the book, right? Whether it's fiction, nonfiction, you're fixated on those ideas and you're musing about those ideas and you're developing stories in your head or thinking through how you can use that knowledge in real life. And it's just like this moment of meditation where you can focus on one thing for a set period of time without any distractions and because of that, I think that's how you absorb so much more information 
than if you were doing this, that, the other thing, having 20 million conversations at once, it really allows you to focus in. And that brings me to my next point. How does reading play a role in business success, right? So we've talked about kids, we've talked about uh, education, but how can business leaders really leverage reading to succeed? Well, a couple of ways, Bill. It's a good question. Uh, the the book that, and I'll, 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 I'll pump it up here right now uh, as, a, as a thank you to you and your audience for bearing with me. I wanted to give you a couple of freebies today. So when you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give you two things. First of all, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for an elementary school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. And so I said, okay, I'll write you a book. And this works for any business leader out there. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You read that in five minutes. I, nothing uh, makes me happier than watching uh, uh, CEOs start off their uh, corporate meetings with uh, Dr. Seuss books. I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, second of all, I'm going to give everybody uh, access to a five-day reading challenge I did online last summer for about 700 parents around the world, where every day for a week for an hour, I give you all kinds of uh, strategies on how to get kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. And so as a business leader, I think uh, uh, for me, uh, when I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading because I'm trying to learn how to get better at my, my trade. So if I want to get better at marketing, well, then I need to be very, uh, uh, directed in my approach to reading. I'm going to read a lot of marketing books. If I'm interested in the psychology of my employees and my, my customers, well, then I'm going to read a lot of, uh, psychology books, uh, books on behavioral economics, things like that. You have to be very direct in in how you think and if you just want to relax i mean you know the way i relax relax is i read the sports page i read uh, sports books all the time but uh, this is what good business leaders do all the time and this is where i think schools kind of mess up the definition of reading i mean like i was giving you the example earlier about nathaniel hawthorne the scarlet letter i mean there's nothing wrong with classical literature that's fantastic but Bill, when was the last time you were on a job and your boss came up to you and said, hey, Carlin, I need you to uh, read this novel by tomorrow. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that in any any type of career, unless you're a, a professor of English literature. But it is important to, to be able to uh, do technical reading. I mean, um, you know. I got I got kids that they might not be interested in novels, but if you give them a, a technical guide on how to fix a, a Chevy, they'll memorize it from cover to cover. Well, that's reading. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different types of reading. I think that's one of the biggest problems I have with the definitions I see out there of reading is reading isn't just classical literature. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you also have to know how to you've given examples of like how how all of us are inundated with messages pretty quickly all the time. We're making decisions constantly, uh, uh, reading social media. The reason I got involved with Cyber Smarties is because social media, like the internet, just kind of appeared one day and nobody was ever taught how to use it. And so when you're not taught how to do something, human beings tend to revert to the lowest common denominator. And you'll see that in social media. People just post these negative opinions all the time. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's kind of like what I see on the freeway now is people will cut you off 
Uh, and I'm like, well, would you do that if you were just walking? Would you just cut off a person like that? No, you wouldn't because you've desensitized yourself to there's a human being involved there. I, I see people that love to just give criticisms all the time, but they wouldn't do that to a person's face. And so that's why Cyber Smarties was really important to me, was teaching kids more positive habits at a very uh, young age so that they don't develop into those jerks that so many adults are today. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the idea that a lot of this stuff just appeared out of thin air, right? Like like social media, the internet, all these things just all of a sudden became really relevant and really quick. And one of the powerful things I think about reading is that books are written every day, right? So mm -hmm. you can find a book on a topic that happened, you know, a few months ago, a year ago, two years ago. So if you want to educate yourself on something that you didn't learn in school or something you didn't learn at your last job, reading is a great way to do it, right? There's like the For Dummies book series, for example, right? Like Excel 97 for dummies, <laughs> you know? And I, I think this is really one of the key things about reading for business success is Sometimes you can read an inspirational story and you can take inspiration from it, right? Sometimes you can read to relax and decompress. But a lot of times, like you said, there's a book out there written on every topic for everybody. And that's what makes reading really impactful is you probably can't find a TV show on how to make Excel files easier to navigate. But I guarantee there's probably 47 books out there by 28 different authors on how to do it. Absolutely, Bill. And also the the difference there, you know, I was a kid that just grew up. The only thing I used to like to read was the TV guide growing up. And uh, I'm not going to put down TV, but the problem with TV, movies, mass media is somebody else is doing your thinking for you. When you read a book or you read text of any type, it's just an interaction between you and that author and you yourself get to interpret how you want to interpret that. That's why I always encourage uh, parents and teachers, let kids watch movies of books. I love it when kids watch the movie of the book because nine out of 10 times, the kid comes back to me and says, wow, the movie was really good, but the book is a whole lot better. Of course it's better because you imagine the characters to look a certain way. Uh, uh, you're, you're coming up with your own formulas. I mean, if you always let other people do our thinking for us, then all of us are gonna become uh, nitwits. <laughs> So how can we get more out of reading? So how, how can we become better readers? How can we build on our skills and, you know, be able to take that imagination to the next level, be able to critically think and formulate new ideas that can be used in our daily life? How can we get more out of the reading we're already doing? Well, one of the things I always suggest to people, Bill, is you are what you read, so read good stuff. I mean, uh, if you want to feel miserable, read the newspaper, the news section every day. It'll make you feel miserable. If you want to feel happy, you know, uh, read something that's inspiring every single day. And the most important uh, thing that I always uh, talk to people about, this is my, uh, my online reading program. It's called thereadinghabit.com. And this is basically what I tell people is that uh, there's two numbers that you have to be uh, concerned about. Uh, the first number is 67. So a lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, well, show me the research. I know exactly where the number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, in the preface of that book, 
Dr. Maltz admits that he was a, a plastic surgeon and he had observed that a lot of his patients, after, it took him about 21 days to get used to their new faces. Well, a lot of uh, personal development, uh, self-help gurus, uh, a lot of people I respect, by the way, they took that number and they started telling people to take, it only takes 21 days to change a habit. Well, that's numbers based on no research whatsoever. Well, researchers at the University of London in 2009 did a habit research study, and they found it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day. 67 days. And it really actually depends on the habit you're trying to change. So, for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast, that might take 18 days to form that habit. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days. And here's why this is really important for, for listeners to understand, Bill. Let's say you go on a diet, you follow it religiously for 21 days, but then on day 22, you fall off the wagon. You blame yourself. And that's completely unjustified because the research shows it takes on average at least three times longer than that to develop a habit. Now, the second number I want everybody to listen to is 20. So researchers were looking at the reading habits of students around the world. They looked at the low students, the average students, the high students. They discovered something amazing. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. They looked at the low kids, the kids in the 20th percentile, F students. How, how often do they read outside of school? Well, the, the average was less than a minute a day. That didn't surprise anybody. That's probably why they're at the bottom of the class. But this next number did actually surprise researchers. They looked at the average kids, the kids in the middle of the class, C students, 70th percentile. Their average was 9.6 minutes a day of reading outside of school. And if I'm doing a live training with parents, Bill, this is when all of a sudden the room gets really quiet and the first hand raises and a parent says, wait a second, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying, but that's not even as remarkable as this next number. The kids in the 90th percentile, these are your A minus students, some of your best students. Do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Do they spend one hour a day reading outside of school? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. The entire justification for my program is basically showing parents how to find those 20 minutes in your day every single day to get your kids reading for fun. And here's the two things that are amazing about that. First of all, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do a minute here, two minutes there. And second of all, being read to is just as important as reading on your own. A lot of people don't know this, but over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs in the world are dyslexic. Now, I've worked with lots of dyslexic students, and dyslexic students tend to process information better through their ears, and one of the problems they have reading is because it's a lot of visual. Well, these people do very well when they're listening to audiobooks, and so one of the strategies I share with people is listen to audiobooks. Audiobooks are just as good as uh, reading on your own, so those are just a couple of the strategies I like to share with people, um, and the benefits are lifelong, but th that's the most important single thing I want people listening here to remember is that the minutes matter, how much time you spend reading outside of your job or outside of uh, school, th those minutes actually matter. You get to see the uh, Johnny Football documentary on Netflix. No, I, I didn't even, is it called Johnny Football? I'll check it I, out. I, I, I forget what it's called. I think it's, but yeah, if you search Johnny Manziel on Netflix, it comes up. Oh yeah, okay, the Johnny Manziel, okay, I'll yeah, check it out. It's, it's really good. And one of the things he says in there, I think it's his uh, agent that says it, is they go, do you want to guess how many hours of film he watched on his iPad? 
it was zero, right? And it, it kind of reminds me of your little reading statistic you just gave of 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Like Johnny Menzel was the greatest quarterback in college history, arguably, right? Top draft pick, first round pick, but he put in zero minutes of work. And because of that, he did not have the success he probably could have had. And, you know, if you go with the assumption that every kid is capable of learning and every kid is capable of succeeding, then a kid who puts in a little bit of work, right, is going to have a much better chance of succeeding than the kid who doesn't turn on that iPad or watch any game footage. So even if people have very, very similar capacity for outcome, that little bit of game prep, a little bit of study, the little bit of reading can really make the difference between success and failure. I absolutely love that you said that, Bill. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. I, when I coach kids or teams, I always tell them, I, I, I'm looking for people with heart, not with talent. Talent gets lazy. Heart, you learn habits and habits and heart will beat you in the end. And so that's a perfect example of, you know, uh, I love that. I'll, I'll definitely check that out because uh, I just watched the, uh, I think it was on Netflix, was the series quarterback on uh, three different quarterbacks. And I just fell in love with Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, my gosh, this guy is just working his tail off. Well, there's a reason he's the best. People don't ever see the work that, I mean, when, when Tiger Woods is out playing golf, people don't see that he's the first guy on the golf course and the last guy on the golf course. They don't see the hours of work that he's putting into his craft. They just see... Uh, him winning the tournament and the celebratory part, but they don't see all the work that went into it. And same thing with good readers is, you know, it's just like any skill, any, anything can be taught. And this is what I was at a, at an event a, a couple of weeks ago in the school district. They, they had asked all the parents to sign a pledge that none of their kids would be on cell phones up until eighth grade. And I said, well, that's one approach, but I don't think that's the proper approach. And let me tell you why. I don't think that's education. Education is about training and whether we want kids to be on social media or on their phones or not, the kids are going to go there eventually. And I, for one, would rather have kids trained on how to properly use them than to go in with no idea of how to use them. I mean, I'm not a gun guy, but if my kids were given guns, I would hope that they were trained how to properly use the gun. And, uh, you know, that's kind of one of the debates out there right now. I, I just think everything is about training. And so that actually kind of breaks my heart about Johnny Manziel. You see a kid that had that much talent, but no, everybody babied him, basically. They, they said, oh, he's got all this talent and nobody forced him to do the work. If he had had a proper coach that would have shown him work ethic, you look at a guy like Peyton Manning and he's all about watching the film. Uh, I was speaking at an event with uh, Tony Dungy, uh, Super Bowl winning coach uh, for Peyton Manning when he was coaching the uh, the Colts. And I could have kissed Tony Dungy. He was telling all these uh, high school athletes, he said, you know, where do most NFL players come from? College. How do you get into college? You graduate high school. What do you have to do to graduate high school? You got to read. <laughs> like you could hear a pin drop. And he said, just so you know, our NFL draft picks, when they come play for us, they're almost all the same skill set. They're all gifted the same physically. Where we cut them is mentally. You can't teach dumb players. He said most of most of being a professional athlete is lots of meetings, 
doing lots of homework, really studying. And it was it was great. I love that speech because and it, it, I, we're using football as the example, but it would it would apply to everything is if you want to get good at your trade, you got to practice your trade and it's going to take hard work. I mean, yeah, some people are naturally gifted and they rest on their laurels for as long as possible. But I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I got friends that have graduated from Ivy League schools that like to brag to me that that was the last time they opened up a book. And then I've got friends that didn't even graduate high school who read voraciously and they have they have succeeded far beyond those that receive these amazing educations. Uh, Mark Twain had one of my favorite quotes. He said, don't let school get in the way of your education. And to me, that's what reading is all about is uh, when I earned my Ph.D., I was grinning from ear to ear. And my wife's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, because from now on, I pick the books. And that's what I do now. I read everything that I want to read, not things that I'm being forced to read. I thought it was really interesting how you brought up that speech, because in business, there's something called the five whys, right? Which is you want to get to the root cause of why the motivation behind something. You ask yourself why five times, right? Like, why do you want to recycle? Well, because it's a good thing to do. Well, why is it a good thing to do? Well, because it's going to improve the environment. Well, why do we want to improve the environment? Oh, because, uh, you know, we want to live in a cleaner, nicer earth, right? And if you just go backwards and backwards and backwards, you eventually get to the core motivation behind any action. And what you just said was basically the five hows, right? Uh -huh. Which is, if you want to figure out how you get to your end goal, you got to find all these intermediate goals. And one of the ways to do that is to ask how multiple times, right? So if you want to play in the NFL, how do you do it? Well, you got to go to college. How do you go to college? Well, you got to graduate high school. How do you graduate high school? I understand how to read and I understand how to do math. How do you do those things? You practice, you learn, you know, you engage and you, you lock in. So it's really interesting to me how, you know, all this stuff can be very applicable and impactful across multiple different levels, across multiple different uh, disciplines, right? So whether you're going to be an NFL quarterback, a business owner, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, reading is something that can benefit you. So what are you up to next and how can the listeners find more about you? Oh, well, thank you, Bill. First of all, I think we have to trademark the five hows. I thought that was brilliant. You said it better than I did. Um, uh, again, people can just contact me when they go to freegiftfromdanny.com. I'm sure you'll be put on some kind of email list where you'll have contact with me. Or you can always go to uh, dannybrussell.com. My last name is really easy to remember how to spell. It's spelled like bras cell. No, I never took any grief for that as a child. Uh, and what turns me on right now is uh, I'm really getting into um, it, it's it's concerning to me the uh, the increase in cyberbullying in this country and school shootings. And so I, I've just been so enamored with the the Cyber Smarties uh, platform, uh, the way it works, Bill. It's really cool. So let's say I type a message to you. I, I'll type a text. I say, Bill, I think you're ugly. Well, it won't let me send the message. Instead, the kid gets a pop up that says, uh, well, that's not a nice thing to say to Bill, what are some nice? Here are some nice things you could say to Bill, and it basically frustrates kids so much that within three days, the research shows 
that kids will stop sending negative messages. And basically the program has completely eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland where it was uh, invented uh, by Dermot Hudner. Now the program's in New Zealand, it's in India, it's in Turkey, and I'm in charge in North America. And it's just such a positive thing. I've been talking to police departments uh, across the country. And one of the questions we ask the kids every day is how do you feel? And kids are very honest, Bill. So they'll say they're happy or they're sad or they're angry. Well, if they say they're sad or angry, we give them a video on some steps on what you can do to feel better. But think about that. We have data which we can share with police departments and we will. Uh, it won't tell you the kids, but we can say, you know, this school, 30% of the kids are reporting that they're angry. You know, maybe we need to do an assembly or something to prevent that future school shooting from happening. Because uh, it just really... It, it concerns me and it should concern everybody that uh, schools aren't safe places and the internet is not a safe place. Like how do we train kids on how to use these things to your benefit instead of uh, to your detriment? So I'm very excited about Cyber Smarties. Uh, I'm very excited to have been on your show today, Bill. I, I love your podcast because it's always very practical and uh, it's almost like reading a book because I'm always learning a couple of new strategies. So I thank you for all that you do, Bill. Yeah, thank you for coming on, Danny. I really appreciated having you. And I thought it was really interesting how you brought up that Cyber Smarties is using data and analytics to give observations to police departments. Because I feel like in today's age, we have so many means for gathering data. There's so much information out there. And there's a lot of uses that we could find for this data that could be more applicable and more impactful than just selling people things through Amazon pay-per-click ads. <laughs> so well, yeah, and think about it. I mean, when I was a kid, every kid wanted to be a police officer. Now I listen to kids and they want to shoot a police officer. And so that's really one of the, the points that's important to me is it's an opportunity for schools and police departments to work together uh, in a positive way. Uh, because People shouldn't look at the police as enemies. They should be uh, our community service officers, which 99% uh, of them are, but we only hear about the 1% that aren't. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, we're coming on to, we're going to start having episodes twice a week. So it's going to be Monday and Friday. So make sure you check out both episodes. Uh, real excited about some of the guests we have coming up. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Disruptive Minds podcast.